Hi guys, I'm Giuseppe Santamaria, the photographer behind Men in This Town and editor of Mitt Magazine. I want to welcome you to a new episode of Portrait Session, in partnership with Armani Exchange Connected. This podcast takes a closer look at who the men on the street are by bringing them into the studio for a portrait and having a chat about their particular approach to the many facets of life. This week, I connected with Ali Ashkashaw, a name you might be familiar with if you've read the last four issues of Mitt, or attended one of our talks featuring the fashion enthusiast. When I first met Ali a few years ago, his love and deep knowledge of the fashion industry was apparent from our first conversation. He literally could not stop talking about the matter. From then on, I knew he would be an amazing voice for men in this town. One of a fashion outsider, looking in and fanboying out. Along with discussing his mid-issue 10 cover story featuring Jeremy Hershen, which is available now by the way, we also chat about growing up in Pakistan, his Lollywood famous father, and leaving it all behind to follow his own path in Australia. Head over to meninthistown.com to view selects from our portrait session, and in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the conversation that took place. and I uh, moved to Australia 10 years ago now which is which sounds Ten, crazy. So you've been here almost as long as I have or yeah yeah, yeah. I think you you and I because I moved here uh, February 2009 I think by memory you was it 2008 yeah, I, I came back here in 2009 there you go so yeah it was mm. the same so um, yes I'm I'm originally from Pakistan um, which is which is been Quite, quite a journey for me, which I'll, I'll come back to in a take yeah. as well. Well, it's such a contrast. I'm kind of coming from there to here, and especially in Canberra, I think would have been that was your first. Yes. Thing so in I, I I spent my first six years in Canberra because I wanted to. I applied to because I, I came here for university and um, I wanted to study at ANU in particular. Wow. Um, where did that like where did you learn about it? Well, it was interesting because I was um, I mean this sounds like such a humble brag, but I was <laughs> I was the one who was the the best one at school out of all my siblings. I'm one of six. God. Um, and, and the other girls. five are all girls yeah. <laughs> and I'm the only boy. And no, it wasn't about me getting everything that I wanted because I was a spoiled brat because I was the only son. That Were is you not the, the youngest case. as well? No. I'm kind of in the middle. In the middle. Okay. So I've got three elder sisters and two younger. Mm-hmm. So I think being the only boy was offset by the fact that I was kind of a middle child. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't get everything that I ever wanted. However, me being good at school kind of gave me the opportunity uh, to to be able to come overseas, to go overseas to study. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then your siblings done that or was it? No, they didn't. I think my parents sort of had a cutoff at, you know, we were sort of a, we were an interesting family, uh, which was we, so my, my dad was a TV actor by profession, uh, which was interesting. And I think just to sort of put, put it into perspective, because I think when you hear about celebrities in, in non sort of non-happening countries like Pakistan, Mm. it doesn't sort of tend to have the same sort of uh, effect as, for example, even, for example, across the border in India, the way Bollywood has. So what is the kind of industry in Pakistan? It's not Bollywood? It's not Bollywood, no. Well, the the technical sort of cheesy term for it is Lollywood, Lollywood. because (laughs) the L comes from Lahore, where, which is another city in Pakistan, which was sort of the epicenter of uh, the arts and especially cinema. So it was Lollywood. Lollywood. So we came up with our own oh God, little that. word, which is, to be honest, quite quite camp. Uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's a silly word, but um, as I, is Bollywood, as is Hollywood. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> it's, it's all, all it's all a little bit. Yeah, it's all, it's all a little bit cheese, cheesy. Yeah. Um, but 
um, it was interesting because dad sort of started off in, in radio because he just had this very sort of deep, commanding voice. Um, really? Which sort of moved into uh, film, but film sort of required him to uh, do dance numbers, which he wasn't necessarily right. comfortable with. And to be honest, there are YouTube videos of him dancing, and he's <laughs> terrible at it. What was your dad's um, name? Shafi Muhammad. Oh my God. It's a complicated name. But um, so he he quite at the same time in this in the seventies there was a movement towards uh, television sort of becoming what it is now, the way we are living now, which is like that golden age of yeah. television, which was a lot of hard hitting drama sort of centric television that was coming up in Pakistan and sort of becoming the voice of Pakistani society. Right. So it was a complete departure from Lollywood, which was as cheesy as its name yeah. and it required more entertainment, more entertainment and, and very yeah. sort of shallow sort of uh, scripts and stories. Whereas television was really coming off. It was sort of becoming was becoming toe-to-toe -to -toe with theater, which was quite vibrant yeah, in right. Pakistan at the time. Okay, right. So he sort of got into that and, and really got became quite, quite successful. For, well, he, he was in it for 30 years. Mm. Not even 30, I think even more. So that was, it was quite a long and uh, illustrious sort of career. Was he well known in kind of... Oh, you couldn't go anywhere Pakistan. with him. Really? It was, it was impossible. Seems like a George Clooney. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, it's a, you know, for a country with a population of a 180 million back then, now 200 million. Oh my God. Um, to go with him anywhere um, was just absolutely horrifying because I remember we went to an amusement park, so for the first time with him because he normally would opt out and yeah. I realized when I went with him for the first time why he did so mm. it's because all that happened was that there were just hordes and hordes of people and this is pre-mobile phones time so it wasn't even selfies people just wanted to meet him yeah. um, and it was just it was a terrible experience and we didn't get to go on any rides because our entire time was spent with him doing sort of real i did not know this people. about you <laughs> which is yeah it's, it's it's all a bit it's all a bit crazy um how was it like for yourself growing up with a dad that was so was, famous it's to be honest you don't know any better so when you're living with someone who more so than anything else and i think this is what people don't realize someone who's given their entire life to the public sphere mm. Um, it's just very interesting because the moment they step out of the house, they, they're not yours. Right. They're, they're, they're shared. Mm. They're just a shared person with everywhere you go. I mean, he, he could get away with anything he wanted, but you know, that, that's, that's the price you pay your, your life. He was very, he was very particular with keeping his private life, especially his family life, very private. So yeah. none of us sort of. Um, one, we weren't encouraged, sort of actively not encouraged, and two, he made sure that we were sort of a, a little bit away from that spotlight. Because yeah. except for us as siblings, I think all of his sort of close actor friends, all their children went into television and modeling. Right. Yeah. Um, except for except for us yeah right yeah we're the only ones well that's interesting because it's so obviously that that would be encouraged because that is the glamorous life in a lot of ways but then i guess your dad saw the bad side of it as well yeah yeah i think yeah i think he saw that and i think you know that's sort of what was the big sort of uh sort of issue that he had with it and i think we all sort of saw it as well in more of a realistic fashion mm. um and I always say, and again, this sounds so, sounds so pompous, but <laughs> I have always said this from a very young age. I'm like, if you see me become an actor in Pakistan, um, that means I have failed at everything else I wanted to do in life. <laughs> 
Really? <laughs> because I just feel like to, for me that is the easiest option. Yeah, yeah, to right. To go and cash in on his legacy and yeah, uh, to to just sort of do that. And you didn't want that. I didn't want that. Where does that come from? Um, I I, I think it it just comes from the fact that what I really didn't want to. I thought I, I, I think acting is actually quite hard mm. oh, um, and it requires you to sort of it, it requires you to stay vulnerable it, it, it thrives on vulnerability mm. and when it does that you don't tend to love yourself most of the time when you're vulnerable yeah. but that's your entire profession yeah. which is I think what, what we saw firsthand and I think I just didn't like that the idea of that at all and wanted to wanted to do so many different things i wanted to be a scientist and i wanted to be a writer yeah. and i wanted to i wanted to be an accountant which is ridiculous but i mean to be honest to date my life has let me and allowed me to do a lot of things yeah and you've done it on your own and yeah done it on my own of course like my because dad passed away 10 years ago oh. um so, I mean, a lot of it goes to my family. My mom and my aunt and my sisters have been absolutely incredible mm. with the support uh, wherever it's Because you're the only boy there as yeah. well. And it's like you're, you almost be expected to kind of almost take his on his legacy no or did yeah you feel, when how did he pass away what so what he um he passed away he passed away in his sleep um and it was again one of the reasons why i think you know this is and i'm happy i'm very open to discuss it because i feel like that is an area that should be discussed more especially from pakistan's perspective it was related to to alcohol because mm. there was there was a lot there was a lot of so, so he was an alcoholic for the last sort of few years of his life. So it definitely then did affect him, the whole... Absolutely, yeah. Also. You know, I mean, this is this is what happens. And, you know, the industry across the world, you, oh you have that... Uh, it's the same anywhere people. to get this fame. I think it is one of the most dangerous things to Absolutely. Get, yet everyone strives for it. Everyone strives for it. And I think... You know, this is this is the one thing that I constantly talk about is that, you know, you think, you know, in a place like Pakistan where there's a blanket ban on alcohol and mm. um, you and, you know, and then on the other hand, you hear that a celebrity becomes an alcoholic. So it's the same across the board. Show business that just has a way. Or yeah. whatever, just substance abuse. Isn't Absolutely. It? It's just... um, and I think that's basically, you know, when that did happen, um, pretty much overnight, it was just calls coming in. There was cameras all over our house, and no way. Um, a week later, I got oh my god, this this is probably the most bizarre story, which was a week later, I got an invitation from uh, the president of Pakistan. What? Who, yeah, <laughs> and he was a military dictator, uh, and he had recently declared emergency in the country, so he had dissolved the constitution. Fun times. Oh my god. And we got an invitation from his office to, uh, he, was, he was doing a, there was a, a, a show that he was commemorating a few people across Pakistan posthumously. And dad was one of them. So I got to fly to the capital a week later. And he was, and then, you know, just as a blur as that whole time was, I'm on stage, I'm 18 years old. And the president of Pakistan, who was probably the most powerful person at the time there, for all the wrong reasons, of course, yeah. is hugging me and telling me that he had met my father once before and he said to me in a joking sort of way that he's like I have only ever been asked to leave a room when my mother is watching your father's uh, <laughs> father's TV series because I'm talking too loud on the phone and she asked me to leave oh <laughs> because God. she wants to concentrate 
He said it privately to you or to he, No, whilst everyone? we were hugging on, on the stage. So no one else heard that. It was because oh that was a goodness. sort of private moment, which is ridiculous. And did you think that was ridiculous at the time? I thought it was ridiculous. I think I've thought of it as more ridiculous over time. Yeah. I think it was just all such a blur at the time. Wow. Um, but the more I look back at it, the more I'm in awe of what that time was. <laughs> How surreal. How surreal. Like, <laughs> you've lived a completely different life and you're not even 30 yet. Yeah. It's like... And it's just like, that was, that whole episode was just very strange. And, uh, yeah, it was, I, I, I cannot, I, it sometimes feels like I'm narrating someone else's story. Um, but it was all, it was all there. It was My all me. My goodness. Yeah. So it is coming then to Australia was definitely an escape from all that, was it not? Like, it's just... I, there's so much there that is like that necessarily wasn't your cup of tea and was something that you wanted. I think to it was it was a second chance. I I think I always had a feeling that there's just going to be things that are that I will just fall into that I don't think I'd like to fall into. Mm. Uh, when I was in Pakistan, I mean, I, I still love the damn place. It's incredible. Of course. Um, but. Yeah, I think it was it was a second chance. I think it was just sort of trying to figure something out and really trying to make something for myself. I remember the first day I came here, this is how clueless I was because you're just like, it was such a sort of like bubble life. Mm -hmm. I'd only traveled overseas once before then, before I came to Australia. And this was the first time I was living somewhere by myself, just rock up and... Um, I was living in student accommodation and the the lovely receptionist who was helping me out asked me, hey, so, uh, you know, you need to pay your your bond and your two weeks in rent. And I was like, yep, I've got the cash for it. Great. So I took like cash out and I was giving it to her. She's like, oh, no, we only accept card. I'm like, oh, I don't have a credit card, which literally dawned on me then that <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, I don't have a credit card. Um, and then she, and I was like, okay, so what should I do? She was like, oh, you can go to the bank and this is our bank account. Uh, you can deposit the money that you have in our bank account. So my next question was, which is ridiculous. I asked her, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, where's the bank? She was like, which bank? I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. So that's where I started. <laughs> Very <laughs> and now we're And now we're here. I that's, work. that's the opening scene to this movie of yours that you're living. Like, oh, bank? And she was like, there's a com bank on university campus. I think you should open a bank account. And I'm like, I think so too. <laughs> I love that. It's just it's such a... It's a rebirth. It's a new start. Exactly. Like, I, I couldn't it? have been newer to the experience as if coming out of my mother's womb. Yeah, right. Like, it was, that's how new it was to my me. My goodness. And it shows your character because it's like, it's, you were, could have easily been, you were given, I guess, a silver platter of just whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, you decided to kind of take your own kind of course and yeah moved to Australia. Did you consider any other country at all or So originally Australia wasn't on my plate at all. I was going I, I went to a school where a lot of people went overseas to study. It has a reputation across the world mm. to be able to produce people who are foreign university overseas sort of university material. Yeah. So I was doing what everyone else was doing initially, which was I applied to the U.S., the U.K., and Canada. Um, but then I, we, of course, like because of the last couple of years uh, with dad, things had gotten a bit rough. So I, I couldn't do so just solely on being able to pay for it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I needed to get a scholarship. Um, so then my, my eldest sister who'd recently got married came for her honeymoon to Australia and then she, she put that seed in my head and then I started researching and realized that universities, one, same sort of top tier universities cost half, if not less, um, 
per semester, plus I was able to get a, a private scholarship. So and also the, the government support, is there not as well? Or no, there wasn't any government support. But the good thing is you could, like, I remember you could work like 20 hours a week here. Mm -hmm. And you get like, money. yeah, <laughs> I was getting, I was getting like 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. And then like my counterparts in the U.S., we're getting like six dollars oh an hour, God. and I'm like, well, I'm, it shows I'm, just the difference in absolutely. around the world as an ass. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I got, I clearly got the better deal. Yeah. Um. Very so sure. yeah, that that really worked out. Oh my God. And then how did you get to Sydney? What was from Canberra to Sydney? Yeah. So did did three years of university, and then got a job straight out of there. Um. We, I, and of course, when you're at uni, and because Canberra is such a small town, everyone you meet on college, like residents. And university is doing exactly what you're doing mm. so the friendships you sort of form there are just absolutely incredible um so a lot of us friends had sort of decided to stay back and we were basically just looking for jobs and what were you um, studying so i studied international business uh at amu and i uh minored in middle eastern studies and pol uh, politics right yeah and I did, I did three years of Arabic as well, but I cannot speak Arabic to save my <laughs> life anymore. I can still read it, cannot speak yeah, it. Yeah, we were taught French for our whole education timeline, and I can't speak. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I wrote, I wrote like in my final year, in my like final semester, I wrote a research paper in Arabic. You're kidding. And now if you ask me to even go back and read my research paper, I'd be like, this is gibberish. It I have just didn't no stick. Idea. Just didn't no. stick at all. God. Nothing. It's amazing the way your brain works. <laughs> I don't know how people's brains work. It's insane. Yeah, it was insane. So did that and then worked in Canberra for three years. And then, of course, like the idea to come to Sydney was always at the back of my head because um, I wanted to go back to crazy city days well that's the thing like you were in karachi yeah, karachi was, just, was like a city you know that uh what, what a lot of people don't know is the original city of lights it's a really? city that never sleeps nice um and i wanted to go back to that i wanted i missed the crazy yeah. i missed the the vibrancy and the complete manic sort of excitement that you need comes. that energy you're just Absolutely. used to that yeah, yeah. and you. yeah and just one day decided to, I had an opportunity where I could get a transfer between jobs within the same organization and decided to move. Unreal. And that was, that was, that wasn't that long ago. It was three and a half years ago. And what was the job that you went into? So I was, um, I was an executive officer for, um, a, a very conservative organization, but it's a trade and investment organization, um, a chamber of commerce, which solely dealt with uh, the relationship between Australia and the Middle East. Right, okay. Nice. So it was very, so I, I'd sort of done a very a, a sort of policy and advocacy based role with them in Canberra, but then moved more sort of corporate with them right. here in Sydney. So how do you go from being into this corporate job to how our relationship is where you're a writer for MIT and one of the reasons why I wanted you to work on MIT was because you have this crazy knowledge. You're an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to fashion. We, we, got to we got to speaking and you just knew everything. And it was like, I need your voice in this magazine. And where does that passion, that knowledge come from when it comes to fashion? So I think I've always, I've always been, I've always had a, had a penchant for having my sort of private interests and I, again I would I can never thank my family enough for that I was I was an avid reader growing up and not just a reader of of novels uh, or storybooks it was reading general knowledge books mm. so and I used to read so it just I just I just have a you know find a passion and then just follow it like I remember one one whole year I would read the dictionary in the bathroom <laughs> and I taught myself how to read you know how like old like old school dictionaries used to have the phonetics yeah like after every word they don't have that anymore no um, they I actually they always just spell it out like you know if it's like 
uh, they spell the sound out. Yeah, but before right. they used to have a whole separate like phonetic language yeah, yeah, that yeah, used yeah. to come next to the word. So I taught myself how to how to read phonetics so I wouldn't get oh, uh, pronunciations wrong. Right. Because um, uh, the, the English-speaking sort of cohort in Pakistan speak very well, but we sometimes don't don't uh, pronounce our words correctly. Right. Um, so... So that's where your that's writing skills come from. <laughs> yeah, just have, and yeah, I had a seventh grade English teacher who really sort of saw that in me, and was like, "You should, you should really explore this. You should write more." Um, and I think that's sort of where it started from. Mm. Um, and then just after, just actually, the the big part that I'm I've completely missed on is that just after I finished high school, um, I took two years off. How uh, did you? Yeah. Right. So I, um, for various reasons, personal and other, um, and during that time, I started as an intern for an English publication mm. in Pakistan, which was running for the last sort of 50 years already. And that's where writing sort of, I got really, really addicted to it. Yeah, right. It was amazing. I remember writing my first piece uh, after. So I was interned for three months and then they liked my work. And then I got to sit on the, the editorial desk, which was one of the best experiences of my life to date. And I remember the first first piece I got and it was a travel piece as well. So they you know, we had to go to this this uh, sort of really um, this shrine of this saint that had lived in this particular rural area of our province where yeah. we're from. It's like a seven hour drive from Karachi. And you, I was supposed to cover that. And they sent a few photographers as well. So they were doing the photos and I was going to do the actual written piece. Mm. Um, and we went there and I loved it and I came back and I wrote this to me that was the best story it was magical and it had my flair and my so the rule at the magazine was every time someone wrote like their first uh, piece for the magazine it didn't go through the chain of command of, of uh, editing the chief editor would edit the first piece right. just so that they can have like a like a sort of honest chat about it and she came up to me and she said, she's like, hey, Ali, you're, you're a good writer. That's why we gave you this piece. But don't be disheartened when you see what it looks like after, <laughs> you, uh, after I've edited it. And I was Bleed. like, okay. And I'm like, I am ready for this. I, she called me in the room a day later and I, she handed me the sheet and it was an actual carnage. It was just red, <laughs> and red pen, pen as well. everywhere. <laughs> And I was horrified. I'm like, oh my God. And she's like, no, it's not about your writing. It's just about editorial standards. And yeah. this is where I think I sort of started respecting the whole thing a lot more. You can't just like write a good piece and get away with it. And, and that's the beauty of magazine publishing, isn't it? And journalism. It's kind of, that's what I fell in love with is that the, the craft that goes into it. It's not Absolutely. just blogging or just writing stuff out of one go. It's... Um, it's the process of getting absolutely. A story perfect, it is. It is. Know? It is. It is one of the most curated mm. sort of uh, professions out there. By the time the the piece you're reading has gone through so many mm -hmm. filters and so much care and so much attention, and to keep your voice a voice there, yeah, exactly, it's just like amazing. Still, you, you know? know, there 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 are publications that lose the voice, but, mm -hmm. but that's what they pride themselves on. Like the Economist is one of them. Their whole premises we don't want we don't want a voice right. we want the economist voice that's why they barely even they don't even uh, have bylines no way. Um, yeah so it, this, the, which is interesting about the economist but um for them but then i remember that which is what i thought was really sweet she's like look it's going to be edited but we're going to work together however remember this is going to go under your byline and the moment you see that word mm. which is by Ali Asghar Shah <laughs> your life will change <laughs> and it did it does it <laughs> yeah. absolutely the does. moment you see that it mm. is just there's there are fewer things that have that I found more satisfying in life and then why 
not go into that direction? What what made you choose to go into then more of a corporate kind of role? I money. Money. Yeah. yeah. I, I That's think refreshingly for, honest. Yeah. Here. I'm I'm not even gonna lie about that. It was it was the money is so comfortable in um you know, of course I'm earning that money because I'm also like good at that. Mm. Um, but I just, I was initially when I moved here, I was trying really hard to, to start getting a gig where I could start writing again. And I was sending them pieces from my old work, but mm. the industry was so small and this young kid with a few pieces from Pakistan, mm. I, I, barely ever got a response back right um and i and i've always said that i'm like i'm better i'm better in person than i am on paper right. so uh, i i wouldn't say it yes and i think you're equally yeah <laughs> i think your writing for me is just so beautiful and very personal and very um just you hear a voice a tone in there that's quite <laughs> funny and nice to hear but then it is who you watch because I know you and it's kind of like that character is the character you put on paper is what I find. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm always really, it's for me, even when I'm writing, I mean, everything that I write, it's there, there are things that have happened in my life, mm. but when I'm writing them, there is, that's the storyteller. Right. There's, there's, there's always going to be elements of, of wonder that don't really exist in real life. But then, I mean, if you just write exactly how things happen, yeah. it'll be terribly drab. <laughs> well, you you just gave me a good segue, so we're going to put a pin in that fashion question. Mm -hmm. But um, you've written the cover story for this issue, issue of uh, issue 10 of Myths, which is yes. available now to order for everyone listening. Um, tell me a little bit about it. So, yes, I think um, I had... I've, I've been interested in uh, Jeremy uh, since, in fact, I think since you, I saw the Jeremy Hershen, Jeremy Hershen, yeah. who's uh, who was formerly the head of design at RM Williams. Um, and I was interested in, in, to be honest, interested in his in his look, because I think I saw a photo that you did of him. I think it was about eight months ago now. Um, I think oh, he came, yeah, he came right. by to the studio. studio. The studio one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. And and then of course I think it was just a little bit of 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 online, um, uh, just sort of online stalking, and I thought <laughs> he, I I just thought you know he already just he had just like a a classic sort of vibe that you don't get to to see in a lot of people anymore. Mm, absolutely. Um, there's something very. Of which I think is in the piece as well. It's there's something very of another time about him, mm -hmm. kind of a um, Hollywood era, yeah. yeah, elegance and demeanor. Yeah, and it, it's just like that very sort of you know cowboy almost, yeah, uh, right. sort of uh, sort of feeling, um, which I think I was lucky enough to meet him uh, earlier this year a couple of times, and I, that just confirmed my sort of initial feeling about him and then to to be able to interview him and then to sort of spend time with him and then write the the feature mm -hmm. and I think a lot of it is sort of which is as you said as well a good segue because I think it sort of became personal because I've also had that which I think you've had too in fact you know which is that idea of of making home making like you know different places home and mm. what is what is home when there's more than one place oh, you, know? Absolutely. you know it's a it's a weird place to be in where when you you still love somewhere and but you know that sort of relationship changes so many different times i think um, that's the thing of when you get to travel it's like you kind of have these different relationships around the world absolutely with the places but it's like well, where do you want to kind of plant yourself and yeah exactly his kind of idea was he was in london for a while and now back in australia and what it's like to kind of yeah get back to his roots i guess absolutely and i think you know to to be able to find that uh you know with uh well, for him to to be able to find that sort of you know his his roots back through the fact that he was you know started working for a brand that's sort of you know rooted in in heritage in fact perhaps the oldest heritage brand in australia 
and then sort of to do it from with a with a young budding family mm, and to really sort of find that it's almost like a new episode to him as well whilst of course his life in east london was you know primarily him and then him and his wife and i think they did have their first child there but now over in australia he's actually getting to see his 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 family you know his his two young sons grow up mm. um in australia and it's we've just it's interesting to kind of get his story of um you have this designer who's in charge of this amazing brand that has this heritage and n- not a necessarily a big profile of a person but mm. so it was interesting to kind of get to know who is this guy and he completely epitomizes the brand Absolutely. and kind of not being so showy and just being kind of that reserved cowboy as you said yeah. isn't he and that kind of is the vibe i i got from him when i first met him yeah. and then you completely showed that in the story so beautifully you know yeah. so and all i'm going to say and i'm like if jeremy's listening to this as well i'm like he the way he puts his own clothes on yeah. i'm like you don't need models no. you should just what just you wear, wear should be should be the sort of brand yeah uh ideal um, it, it just it falls so perfectly so effortlessly. it's the cover image just kind of says it all the way everything's just fallen on his shoulders and yep. it's like that, that that's what i love and I, I aspire to kind of have a style like that you know yeah. it's just ah, it's like so clearly that. defined and yet like so sort of understated it's not it's not peacocking it's not no no um but it's still so it it, it just all falls into place so well yeah um and you know i think that, I mean, that was just like a lot of things about him. And yeah, I, I had such a good time writing that piece. And I think because of the fact that there was those sort of personal parallels that mm. I think were really sort of able to bring his story out. Absolutely. Very exciting. It's an excellent read. So uh, make Thank sure you guys you. buy a copy and uh, give it a read. Yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the fashion point uh-huh. and your own personal style. What is your personal style all about? Um, my... So what are you wearing today? I am wearing... I'm actually wearing uh, an MJ Bale suit because I have realized over time, and this is after quite a few trial and errors, uh, that is MJ Bale's off-the-rack fits me so well. Yeah, really? And I will... Um, I, I couldn't believe it. To be honest, they it's couldn't good believe to be able it either. To find that. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it was just it was it was lucky. I didn't have to, but I think it's not it's not great for me because you know when you get a when you're getting something tailored, you get buyer's remorse like almost instantly. You're right. like, oh my god, did I really need to spend that? And I um, can't. And now I, I don't have it on me. <laughs> but with MJB, I can just literally just walk in and be like, yeah. hey, I want this, and I get it, and I'm like, well. Yeah. Now I have it, <laughs> so it's I spent a lot of money. Um, but yeah, no, there. I think their their suits are just a really good, really good price point uh, for. They're an Australian the brand for people who don't know the brand. Yeah, they're an Australian brand, and they do. They have, I've got like a few jackets from them, and as I said, like there's this one size that just fits me so well that I'm mm-hmm. like, I think I'll stick with you guys. <laughs> Because I don't like to wait when it's gone to the tailors. I'm like, I want it now. Exactly. I hear you. <laughs> I, I'm not a patient person. See, I'm wearing that. I'm just wearing a, a plain white, uh, plain white shirt and just a little pocket square. Plain oh. white shirt. Yet yeah, you have the pattern inside. Yeah, it's got a pattern inside. Because I'm a bit of a peacock. <laughs> um, and I'm wearing this beautiful Armani Exchange watch, which has a navy blue dial and a and a navy blue leather strap and what i love the most is that it's got co- a copper sort of yes, uh, dial that, that details which are beautiful i love yeah. it so you do have this kind of reserved corporate style but then at the same time you have this other fashiony crazy style as well that yes. where your your fandom comes from <laughs> uh yes so i could go from looking like um, yeah, looking sort of more humble, Sydney, um, suit wearing corporate. With a flair still. With a little always bit, a of, bit flair. of flair. Yeah, always a little bit yeah. of flair. To um, something looking like an underground Berlin, like 
fashion crazy person <laughs> at night I like that. where it's just yeah it's just that i mean if if you saw me like this but you were tripping on lsd that's what it would look like so <laughs> it just goes it Good goes to to complete extremes i feel like it's mellowing down over time i feel like I went through some really weird phases like in the last like 10 years like I remember there was a time I went through where I would wear a full a long sleeve t-shirt but I'd only wear like one side of it <laughs> and then the other sleeve I'd wrap it around my neck as a scarf no so it was just way. like a weird asymmetric <laughs> sort of top shirt with like a semi scarf that's fashion um, fanboy, right? That there. is, yeah. But you, I look, I look back at that. That is like also fashion regret. It's <laughs> roadkill. Um, but then you know, since then, it's sort of gone into more sort of more more pieces that sort of look good put together. Some of them are still quite loud, but I feel like fashion in general has just become a lot, a lot louder in a good way. So I think that just doesn't seem completely out of place well it's been a natural progression with yourself i mean as you age anyone ages it's you just you, you kind you of fall you settle in you settle in a yeah. bit more and that could still be mean you could be flamboyant and out there but you kind of narrow it down to yeah kind of what you like rather than experimenting all over the place i think my my like fundamental thing about personal style is that every time i wake up i look like an ogre <laughs> And all I want to do is I'm like, I want to, I want, I want to make myself feel great. Right. And that starts with dressing myself up. That's well Whichever fun, yeah. way I want to. So you get to tame the beast. Absolutely. Kind of dress them up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, I'm going to go from whatever that was from like, and to to how I feel like. And it changes like day to day. My hairstyle changes almost. Like how many hairstyles have you seen me? It in? does. And yeah. That's what I love. But it's always still you, you know? And it's not like it's your completely different person. Just your little chameleon of fashion. And you yeah. kind of go in and out. Because that's the looks. thing. I'm like, I can't really pin down like what I wear as well because there's just so many things that I like feel. And I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like dressing like this today. And it's just, it's really on my mood of, you know, what I what I want to dress like yeah but like the fundamental is I want to go from that ogre that wakes up in the morning <laughs> to um some semblance of fun yeah yeah so it is that's I guess it you know you've kind of gone into this job that's a more corporate side and makes you the money yeah fashion for you then is a hobby and it is something that you just kind of love to kind of dive into and research yeah. as you did when you were younger with other hobbies that you had yeah so kind of, I don't know, what, what is it about fashion that does it for you, that you find interesting in, in the history, in the news, in the trends? So I think, I mean, generally, and, you know, you, you'd probably be the best judge of that as well. And my, you know, my, of course, my fundamental interest in fashion is simply what it is, which is I, I constantly read on it. I have done that for the better part of 15 years. Um, I... Um, sort of, you know, be it from watching a YouTube video to just sort of flicking through all the new fashion shows that have come about to reading about house, various sort of houses, uh, history and what their, uh, their original sort of designers were about, um, and really sort of following, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> go on and what those designers were about and their philosophy but I think over time because I've been able to sort of read up on it and sort of build this this it's still it's barely a, a, a sort of wealth of knowledge but build some sort of uh, base of knowledge base that I can now sort of mentally go back and like you know go through the archive mm. when I'm talking about a particular thing but more more recently I think that sort of become and I think it's only made my love for fashion stronger is fashion's ability to be um, the only uh, form of expression that is now accessible to everyone. Right. We all, um, you know, no, not everyone can draw, not everyone can write. Um, 
So everyone the, dressed. but everyone <laughs> dresses in the morning and whether they like it or not, they're making a decision of what they are going to wear that day themselves. and how they want mm-hmm. people to see them, mm-hmm. how they want to express themselves. No matter what you do, you're still buying it, right? You're still taking out that credit card mm-hmm. when you're buying something, whether you put in zero uh, and you have zero interest in fashion you still, you were like, oh, this shirt is in my size. I'm going to buy that. But yeah. there were also all these other shirts in your yeah. size. Why did you pick that one? So you made a decision. Mm-hmm. And if you're making that decision, you are expressing yourself. Um, and it's the only one that is in, in this day and age, and you've, you've probably seen this in my pieces, I talk about a lot how fashion was a lot more stratified and codified in previous times, mm-hmm. even up until 30, 40 years ago. But we now live in a time where it's accessible to everyone and therefore people are in some way or another making that decision. And I just love the fact that people are mm-hmm. um, and you see that um, and how So that's why I think my my love for fashion is from that point of expression, how it's evolved as a form of expression this entire time, you know. And do you find it becoming more interesting? Because there's always that headline of fashion is dead or dull or nowhere right now. Or is it going in an interesting direction? I think, look, I think you can never say whether fashion as a, as a, as a monolith, as a sort of monolithic concept can ever be dull or not. Can art ever be dull? As a, or can history ever be right. dull? Because mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's a very, um, it's a very broad concept. Trends can be dull, yeah, right. Um, but clearly they're trends, so they really can't be dull because someone's following them. That's like Someone saying pop. It. That's like saying pop music is is boring. And I'm like, well, if it was boring, it wouldn't be popular in the first place. So that's a that's well a moot said. point. Yeah. So um, you know, that's the same with with trends. I'm like, someone following it. Yeah, you might not like it, but yeah. that doesn't mean a very large group of people do. Yeah. Um, so I think it's. Sometimes I think, you know, the industry does push things that really never should have gotten a revival. But I mean, if it's catching on, I'm more interested in it. I'm like, why is it catching on? That's what I'm more interested in. That leads to something else. Exactly. Because then I'm like, I'm like, if it's catching on, that means you're you're, that catching on part. That's where the magic is happening, Mm. because there's something that can then that's a hope that can allow you to go into this psyche of the people who are buying this. And then yeah. you sort of think about it, like, why are they buying this? Is that sort of to do with some sort of social or like cultural movement that we are sort of a broadly part of now? Yeah, yeah. And you know, that's, those are the questions that are, that make fashion, that can basically never make fashion boring, I think, because it's such a, such a mirror to what our times are at all times. Absolutely. Well said, yeah. well put. Well, what do you see for yourself when it comes to the future of your your writing and fashion, how does that kind of gonna play in your future? Do you think? If it even if it makes me three quarters of the money I'm making right now, I'll <laughs> I'll move over to writing in a heartbeat. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so you you've kind of that that passion has kind of gotten to you, and you feel yeah. Like... I think I think to be honest, I always had it. Like I I. I just really I cannot explain my like love for writing and how I feel about just writing. It's oh, it's it feels so good. And you could it see so it good. in your writing, Alia. Like, like I swear, Thank it's just you. it's so evident, and you you feel the joy, you feel the passion, you feel the knowledge in it all. It's not um, you're not just writing for writing's sake. It's definitely something that you're born to do. I feel. Yeah, I I just I, yeah I think it's just it brings me a lot of joy. Um, and yeah, as I said, I'm like three quarters is my threshold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm like, if that happens, I will, I will flip in a heartbeat. We we put it out to the universe. Yes. So listen to me, give me a job in writing. (laughs) There you go. I know I'm going to leave it. (laughs) Oh, you know, one one last question. Uh Uh, What does it feel like to be you right now? Because you're also you're getting ready to go to Italy, yes. which is exciting. You're going to be reporting for Men in This Town, which that is, is absolutely awesome. right. So, I'd... firstly, a big thank you to you because <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have had this opportunity 
Um, so yes, I am going to Italy to cover a uh, the world's largest footwear expo, um, which is sort of very uh, very focused on on Italian made, but again a lot of a lot of small sort of family style footwear brands as opposed to the sort of larger Italian brands that you hear of. But again, extremely focused on on heritage and and quality. So I'm in fact leaving in a few days, which is which is crazy. I've never been to Europe, let That's alone unreal. Uh, let alone Italy. So I'm I'm expecting some very very great things from that trip. <laughs> so your your state of mind right now is in, in what in one word? What is it? Your state of mind? Um, I think it's neurosis. Like I just yeah, I feel like I'm like. I've, I've recently, I've, I moved last weekend, I was moving houses and now I'm like in, within the same week, I'm, I'm going to Italy and it's just these incredible things happening at the same time. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm constantly just pinching myself, not like just feeling like this is in my life. All right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a good way to live, isn't it? Is, it? it, it is a, it's a great way to live when you're just like, oh my god, this this is actually this is it. This yeah. is your life. So, um, it's, it's just a, a very surreal place to be in because I I did as you know again I, I can't thank you enough. I did struggle with trying to find find people who would who would hear me out mm. uh, and would be able to to see what you saw in my writing. Uh, from really early on and then a lot of that has just transpired so positively and perhaps in like just giving me the best life that I hadn't even asked for which just sort of happened <laughs> thanks to you so oh please if I can help in the littlest way you're doing it on yourself so <laughs> so yeah no it's 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 incredible I couldn't be more happy at the moment amazing yeah well people are going to read about this trip in the next next issue which yes. will be issue 11 in March so have that to look forward to yes. thank you for speaking with me Ali I appreciate thank it thank you so much this is, this is incredible no, like just okay. another another incredible thing for <laughs> you to do for me <laughs> thank you for coming appreciate it Thanks for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Portrait Session. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you did enjoy it, which will help other people discover the show. Have a great day, and thanks again for your support.